Water, water, water. It's so dry. We still need to continue to water unless you're in a wet spot. The, the ground, we got so much rain so quick that uh, a lot of plants still need some water. But if you're in a low-lying area, you know, certainly plants are, are wet in areas too. So we've kind of seen everything from plants that still need continue to need water if it's on a high spot where the water just kind of ran off. Um, to if they're down in a low area, they're extremely wet. So, you know, test your landscape. I haven't been able to even mow my lawn in certain areas. It's it's just really, really wet out there. But crisp air. I mean, I woke up this morning, you know, we had the fan in the window, and it was like, oh, boy, I can put jeans and a sweatshirt on today. It's so cold. Uh, yesterday was just a great day in the garden center to, to work. You know, the dew is on the lawn, and... Uh, fall is is pretty much here you know football is back uh on our radar you know whether it be on tv or if you're watching your favorite high school or, or college uh football but that heavy rain really kind of beat up a lot of plants so we've been working really hard in the yarma store on some of our gardens and rehabbing some things we've been lifting all kinds of perennials and dividing and cleaning up so you know now is the time to start that you know, I know along the way of the last few weeks, I've kind of said, well, you can kind of start. We're in the cooler temperatures. The plants are starting to shut down. You can go ahead and cut back a lot of things in your garden as far as perennials at this point. Start to think about lifting them, dividing them, moving them. Make sure you use some good root stimulator when you do that, uh, you know, and and leave a good clump. You know, don't divide so small that the plants are going to take three or four years to rebound nicely and, and flower well. So, you know, get out there and start rehabbing some of your gardens. If you're looking to plant this fall, it's been very busy in the garden center. Customers are coming in. Let's face it, probably your annuals aren't looking that great at this point. And so a lot of people are coming in, they're buying fall grasses and mums and, and kind of the, uh, some, some of the new annuals, cabbage and kales, and, and all of those types of things for fall planting and fall decorating. So things have started. Next week we will have pumpkins and corn stalks and, you know, all the wonderful ornamentals to decorate also. So that's kind of coming. Uh, the pumpkins seem to be a little bit behind right now. So normally we have them this week. Uh, we're going to be a little bit of, a little bit later this year, which is fine. It's still nice out there and we can get out and enjoy this beautiful weekend we're going to have. But it's getting close to time to decorate. You know, I'm looking out the window here at the radio station. I can look at the trees and just start to see the hint of fall color. You know, and what usually this time of year can start to see is just different shades of green. There isn't really isn't any color, but you start to see some of those trees start to turn lighter green. You know, the oaks and some of those things are a real dark, dark green. But then you start to see the maples and, you know, the ash, and you start to see the light greens and kind of, you know, that just that difference in color starting to show up. So we're starting to see that. I'm really happy we got some rain because I think that's going to help our fall foliage season hold on and last a bit longer. I, I really get frustrated because fall is my favorite time of year when our fall foliage season is short, and a lot of times it's due to drought and, and water. So, you know, get out there and enjoy your yard. I know driving in today, the one remark I could say about everyone's landscape, and I've been hearing this all week, 
is everybody's like, ah, my landscape's just blah right now. You know, there's just not a lot that looks great in my yard. It's kind of that in-between time frame. So get out there and spruce up a few things, you know, add a few mums in. Now, the trend over the last number of years has been customers have been buying more mums and putting them on patios and placing them on the steps and whatnot, but not planting them in the garden as much. Now's the time you want to get those mums in the garden because they don't have a ton of color on them. And by getting them in the ground now, they're going to be cooler in the ground and they're actually going to come on a lot slower, okay? So, you know, we'll be placing some mums in some of our gardens here in the next week or two. And right now with the garden renovation, we're putting in all kinds of trees and shrubs. So right now we're putting in a great big Japanese maple in our front, you know, of our store. Uh, a, A bunch of roses are going in perennials. We've got some uh, mellow yellow spirea we're putting in, some boxwoods, some other dwarf conifers. So a very wide mix of plants can be planted right now. And now's a good time to plant just because, you you know, those plants are going to root. They're not going to really grow at this point. We don't want to fertilize them. We want to use root stimulator at this point. But we're renovating now because it's the time of year when you know, us as a garden center have the time and energy to be able to put into some of our landscaping around the the garden center. So we do a lot in the fall. And and to me, it's probably the best time of year to plant. Now in the spring, you have huge selection is the positives there. In the fall, we have a more limited selection, but the plants acclimate and just for next spring so much better so it really is a great great time to uh, think about doing a bunch of gardening in your yard so we've been over the last couple weeks been doing a lot of bed prep and you know the annuals that we had in the ground really haven't looked good so we've pretty much stripped all of those out now and you know we're just discarding them and we're going to replace them with some of our fall stuff how are your impatience doing if if uh if you have a question, give us a call, 775-1310. The impatients I've seen around town have been doing wonderfully. So I kind of reached out <clears throat> to some of my other cohorts in horticulture and started asking if anybody is, is seeing any problems with impatient downy mildew. And we really hasn't, haven't seen a lot here in Maine. Uh, it's been very spotty. There hasn't been many reports at all. But you go to Massachusetts and Connecticut, and they're starting to have a major problem. So, you know, we did have some problems with it last year. But so far this year, we've kind of missed, you know, the problem. So I was reaching out and talking with people down south and trying to figure out if, you know, it's isolated here in Maine that they're not having a problem. There have been some reports in New Hampshire, some major reports in Massachusetts and Connecticut. So, you know, certainly maybe our cold temperatures, it didn't overwinter as well. Uh, Maybe we just didn't have as much of a widespread problem or the the weather to fester in the right conditions. But, boy, we had a lot of rain and we had a lot of heat and humidity. So I would have thought the conditions were perfect. So maybe this problem was overblown. Maybe it was. I'm not quite sure. So if you have problems with your impatience, give me a call. 775-1310 or if you have a question 
You can also submit a question on our website, estherbrooksonline.com. We have a bunch of those from last week that uh, we can go ahead and get to here shortly. And you'll never guess what happened this week. The bulbs arrived. So fall's officially here. Now, my Scarborough store, some of the employees may be listening right now, and they're going, we don't have bulbs yet. They're coming on the truck today. Relax. Every every week, you know, after I get done with the show, you know, I, I get a call. Hey, we don't have that product you were talking about. Or, hey, we don't have this. Or, you were talking about this. And, and my staff is, you know, very good about asking questions about, well, what did you exactly mean about that? I, you know, how, how should I explain that to customers? Or, it wasn't terribly clear. So, if I'm not clear and you need follow-up on anything I'm talking about, don't hesitate to call. 775-1310. And, you know, it's a great way to kind of make sure I'm getting through to you, the customer. Sometimes I talk in technical terms that not everybody understands or, you know, I'm not clear. In my head, I'm clear, but it, it doesn't always translate to, to the customer. So we have a first question here. Let's, let's, this is from Sarah in Yarmouth. My pine has a dead leader on the top. What is the best way to take care of this problem and what is it? So you have a pine tree. It's probably white pine weevil. Um, that's a pretty common common problem uh, this time of year it shows up now the insect and the problem has shown up early on in the season the insect attacks usually in May or June and what it does is all you have to do is spray that top foot of the plant you don't have to spray the whole plant it only attacks the top tip okay and so we have to be kind of proactive in that. But what you can do is you can prune out the insect also. And the tree will grow a new leader. But we need to prune out, you know, down below where you see the problem. So you probably have one or two, you know, dead stems in there. You have to prune down below. And the tree will kind of not look terribly great for a little bit. Because it's got to reform a new leader. And that's going to take a little time. Now, if the plant forms two or three liters, you need to go in and prune out and make sure you have one of them. Okay. So next year, you're going to prune. Well, this year, you're going to prune out. And then next year, one or two or maybe even three new liters will show up. And so next summer, I want you to go in and I want you to thin those liters. Thin it down to one straight leader so that the tree is going to continue to grow straight up and be wonderful. Okay. Very common for white pine. You also may see it on fir and spruce, you know, uh, but that's not white pine weevil, obviously. That's spruce budworm or another insect could be attacking. But it's very common to show up in the late summer, August, September. You start to see all of a sudden you see that wilting leader and then it turns brown. Okay, very common problem, Sarah. You know, it's not something that is tough to take care of. It's just you have to be proactive. So think about putting on your 2014 calendar right down on there. Mid-May, I need to spray the leader of my pine tree to make sure it's clean for the following year. The other thing is when the tree is water-stressed, a lot of times that's the only time the weevils or spruce budworm will attack. Okay, so a little bit of extra water in the summer months, too, will help, you know, that May, June, July, uh, August time frame. Just giving a little bit of extra water when it's dry out will really help 
ward off that insect? So great question. Um, we've seen a little bit of problem with that this year, but not as bad as it has been in the past. I think all that rain in June, you know, the plants weren't terribly stressed and, you know, we've seen a few customers come in, but not in the numbers that we normally see. So we've got another question from Al from Freeport. Um, he's getting ready to break ground on a new home. Well, congratulations, Al. And he wants to get a great lawn and great gardens. So his question is, is there some steps I should take along the way to save me time and money? And what should I do to talk to the contractor to make sure I'm doing things efficiently? All right, Al. Well, here's a couple things I always tell people. And unfortunately, in the garden center end of things, we usually get involved a little bit late in the process. Where you're, you have a new gr- new home and you're just breaking ga- ground, the first thing I would say is don't let the contractor strip all the loam off your lot and take it away. Have them pile it up on your lot, okay? Don't let them take it away, okay? The first thing that happens a lot of times is you strip all the loam off the lot and the contra- te- contractor takes it away. And then they come in and they fill with sand and gravel and do site work and and around the foundation. And then later on in the process, all that loam comes back, but you're not sure if it's your loam or someone else's loam, okay? If you have that good loam on your property, then have them pile it up in the back 40. Just put a big old pile and just leave it there. The best way to get a good, good lawn is to have plenty of loam. A great way to get garden beds is to have deep loam, 18 inches to 2 feet. So that's the number one thing I would recommend. It's the first problem that people have because a good lawn just does not establish well if it doesn't have good soil. And plants don't thrive in sand and gravel well. So that's my first thing. The other thing would be good drainage. Make sure your home has good drainage, that there's no low-lying areas when they do the site work. You know, areas that drain off usually are much easier. It's an easier transition. You're always going to have a few wet areas in a yard, but that's the secondary thing. Third, have a plan. Do you plan on putting a patio in a certain area? They may efficiently be able to put down the base material. Are you going to have specific garden beds in the area? Make sure you put drip edges in, you know, under your eaves where if you don't have gutters, put drip edges in, you know, have the contractor do that. That'll save you time and money. If you're hydro seeding, make sure you have either irrigation, you know, or water available this fall. If you're going to do all of this next spring, you know, certainly you have some time. But it sounds like you're just breaking ground. You know, hopefully the lot is being cleared, you know, and you can kind of, those are my first steps I would take. If you have other, you know, things that you're thinking about, don't hesitate to give me a call or um, submit another question. 775-1310. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB.
We know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies. But wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you? Someone who knows Maine's soil, Maine's climate, and knows what plants will thrive here. Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other independent garden centers. We support each other and work together to satisfy you. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the Independent Garden Centers of Maine at maineigc.com. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com slash videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Was your garden all it could be this season? The gardening season may be winding down, but that doesn't mean you can't start looking forward to next year with a visit to Estabrooks. With cooler temperatures in all trees, shrubs, and perennials now on sale for 20 to 50% off, it's the perfect time to invigorate your home. Best of all, you'll be enjoying your garden next spring while everyone else is planting theirs. To learn more, visit Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, Kennebunk, or on the web at estabrooksonline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Can you feel the change coming? Leaves will turn, sweaters will be rediscovered, and autumn will be upon us. Get a jump start on the season with a kaleidoscope of fall color from Estabrooks. Homegrown garden mums are now available at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. A true harbinger of fall, these fantastic plants will bring the colors of autumn to your home all season long. Winter will be here soon, so make this a fall to hold on to. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Esther Brooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host on this beautiful Saturday morning. Absolutely beautiful out there. Nice crisp fall morning. I'm sorry, it's fall. Let's just call it what it is. Let's not worry too much about it. Let's just enjoy it. You know, summer was wonderful. We had a really nice summer here in Maine. You know, a little bit of humidity here or there. But overall, I would say a really, really nice summer. We had some really nice weather. You know, there's still going to be some beach time. There's still going to be some time to get out there and have that nice Indian summer that we always have in the fall. But right now, boy, this is perfect temperatures for me. It it makes me want to get out outside and get in the garden and actually do some stuff. So... My vegetable garden, though, is just unbelievable. Now, I got a late start, so I'm coming into the glory time. You know, my beans are just starting to really size up. You know, the lettuce has been phenomenal. Tomatoes have been great. But my cucumbers are just a washout this year. They just have not done well. And now the powdery mildew has has hit them. And, you know, even the best gardeners, which I'm not saying I am by far, 
have had trouble in their vegetable garden. I've read numerous articles about all the troubles and tribulations of vegetable gardening this year. And I want to make sure people don't get discouraged because everybody has problems. It does not matter who you are. It is called Mother Nature. And she plays very twisted games with us, gives us conditions that will challenge us every year, and this has been no exception. If you have a problem in your vegetable garden, give us a call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. It's been a challenging year. Now, the herbs have been phenomenal in my garden. The rosemary's grown great. The mint's been wonderful. The cilantro, you know, all of the herbs have really done well. And we've been having wonderful salads with them and and uh, making wonderful marinades and whatnot. But we've got a question from Nancy in Buxton. And her question is, I would like to preserve as many veggies as I can. Give me some tips on how to save veggies and herbs. I always struggle with this every year. You know, it's tough because all the harvest comes in at once in a garden. You know, you, you kind of, things kind of come on and then all of a sudden you have just a abundance of, of vegetables. And it's usually that same time frame when all your neighbors and friends have a abundance of stuff too. So here's a few tips. Um, one is if you have a lot of basil, you can always put basil in water and freeze it in the water. Okay, and put it in your freezer. So just take a nice Rubbermaid container or any container you have. If you have one of those lovely, you know, um, food saver machines, you can use that too. But pack as much basil as you can in there and then put it in water and freeze it in water. And I like to, you know, use it in smaller packets so I can take it out and throw it in like a sauce or something like that. It gives a real nice fresh feeling to the sauce that you might be making here this fall with all the tomatoes you have. But basil is an easy one. If it's suspended in water and frozen, it stays fresh. But if you just put it in your freezer and, and freeze it, it just freezer burns and, and it's just awful. So or go ahead and make pesto sauce. You know, and freeze that or can it, one or the other, um, and keep that for months on end and use it all winter. So that's a good way to, to do your basil. Obviously, a lot of your herbs you can dry. So you can pick them, hang them up, dry them, and then put them into containers. Uh, you know, cilantro, I think, would probably work pretty well frozen in water also. I think it'd be pretty easy to do that. If you're getting seed stems on your cilantro now, it's actually turning to coriander. So the seed is the coriander. So let them go to seed. I've let them go to seed in my um, garden now. So I'll be getting a nice seed, you know, set here shortly. Uh, chives are another one that I think probably is would work fine in water um, to preserve them. Or you could dry it, you know. But chives are pretty, you know, easy. Everybody loves fresh herbs, and I wouldn't hesitate to buy fresh herbs during the winter either, you know, periodically. They are expensive, though. So anything you can save on the herb end, I think it's a win-win. On your maybe rosemary plants, dig them out of the garden, plant them in a nice container, and bring them in and put them in a nice sunny window now. Don't wait until you, they get frosted a few times. Do it now. Probably in the next two or three weeks, do that. Okay, if you're going out and you're cleaning up a bunch of your vegetable garden now and discarding some stuff, 
go ahead and lift those, plant them in a nice container, and then go ahead and get them inside. Going to be much better to get them acclimated now where we have good sunlight and heat than to do it later on in the season. The other thing is you can can vegetables, and I know a lot of people... A lot of people do this, but a lot of people are afraid of it, too, because if you make a mistake and you don't do it well, you could kill yourself. Botulism is not something to be messed with, and you really need to follow the steps to do it appropriately. So, you know, you can can vegetables like beans and beets, you know, uh, pickles. You can make pickles. There's all sorts of things, you know, squash, and, you know, you can just can almost anything. My recommendation is you may want to contact the Maine Cooperative Extension on their website. They've got some great information about canning, how to do it properly, you know, how how to go about the process. You also can freeze almost any vegetable. I mean, think about it if you go to the grocery store. If you see them frozen in the vegetable aisle in your frozen section, you can do the same thing with your vegetables you have. Now, if you have, you know, a food saver type thing or something like that, you know, you're not going to have as much freezer burn. But, you know, corn on the cob, you could do that. You know, you, you can do beans and broccoli and cauliflower and some of the squash. And, you know, there's just all sorts of things. You also can kind of use maybe your bulkhead area as a root cellar. You know, and pick those carrots and turnip and all of that and put those down in an area where maybe they're going to stay, you know, at 35 degrees, 45 degrees. And you can store beets, carrots, all your root crops, you know, in the cellar for a long, long time. But it wants to be a cool area. You know, if you have an extra refrigerator in the garage that you use for the whole summer for maybe your soft drinks and all of those types of things, maybe beer. I'm just saying. Maybe that's a good place to, to, you know, for your root vegetables. Okay? So you can store those. You can also pick those very, very late in the season. So you don't need to harvest those now. You know, you probably want to be sometime in October. And then, of course, making sauces. Your tomato sauce, you know, um, is always a great way to use up a lot of those tomatoes. Um it's just a great way to make sure you have a lot of great sauce all winter. It's nothing better than homemade sauce. You take that container out, you thaw it out over overnight, bam, you've got a quick meal, and it just reminds you of all the great summer produce that you had. You know, nothing better than fresh string beans, you know, coming out of the freezer, you know, from your garden in the middle of winter. Potatoes are another one, you know. Think about... Going to your farmer's markets, too. If you don't have the vegetables in your garden, think about going to farmer's markets over the next month or six weeks. You know, and picking up some of this stuff along the way and processing it and freezing it and whatnot. As the season goes on, a lot of times, you know, the farms will have an abundance of some of these root vegetables and they'll have an abundance of some of these things. And sometimes if you talk to them, you know, they'll sell you 20 pounds for a better price, you know, and you could talk to them one week and say, hey, you know, can you bring me 20 pounds next week and what would my price be? You know, and set it up where you're going to pick it up the next week and buy 10 pounds of beet. 10 pounds of carrots, you know, and kind of, you know, square away some of those things. So talk with some of your local farmers, work with them, you know, 
show them the loyalty. Certainly, you know, it's going to be a little bit of work, a little bit of money up front, but there's nothing better than fresh local stuff that you process and can and, and have during the winter months. So visit the main Cooperative Extension website. Um, I would recommend there for a lot of this type of information. They've also got some great videos on there, um, you know, kind of walking you through the steps. So Nancy, I hope that helps. Uh, you know, that's it's it's a it's a topic that I think we need to probably spend some more time on. Uh, you know, the art of canning has kind of gone away. I can remember my grandmother and great grandmother. Um, they always canned, but you know, my parents don't do it. I don't do it. Um, I think it's something we need to kind of get back to. You know, it can save a lot of time and money, and. Uh, you know, nothing better than fresh stuff in the middle of the winter. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Was your garden all it could be this season? The gardening season may be winding down, but that doesn't mean you can't start looking forward to next year with a visit to Estabrooks. With cooler temperatures in all trees, shrubs, and perennials now on sale for 20 to 50% off, it's the perfect time to invigorate your home. Best of all, you'll be enjoying your garden next spring while everyone else is planting theirs. To learn more, visit Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, Kennebunk, or on the web at estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Can you feel the change coming? Leaves will turn, sweaters will be rediscovered, and autumn will be upon us. Get a jump start on the season with a kaleidoscope of fall color from Estabrooks. Homegrown garden mums are now available at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. A true harbinger of fall, these fantastic plants will bring the colors of autumn to your home all season long. Winter will be here soon, so make this a fall to hold on to. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host, and we are live. We've made it through, hopefully, most of the problems here at the radio station. It's a little touch and go there this morning. Wasn't sure if we were going to get on the air. A little technical difficulties. You know all those computers and servers and all that fun stuff, you know, the stuff that us plant people don't really deal with much. Uh, you know, they have problems periodically. And, you know, there's just been all kinds of fun stuff going on. It's been very lively here at the radio station the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, but we seem to be on the air. If you can hear us, though, call me. 775-1310 if you have any questions about gardening or what not. Um, you know, we're here. We are probably going to be going back to some tape shows a little bit later here in the fall. Uh, I'm going to be taking some more time off. And then as the gardening season winds down, we're going to go to more tape shows. It's going to be more guest-oriented. 
and uh, you know, kind of bringing up topics that are in the garden center and and uh, landscaping, uh, you know, industries and what's going on for trends and all of that type of stuff. So we're going to kind of make a switch. So if you have gardening questions, we'll probably be here for the month of September. Although next weekend we will have a tape show as I have another wedding, last wedding of the season. Oh no, second to last. It's been a wedding. Wedding season for my wife and I. We've had enjoyed a lot of wonderful times with some wonderful people this summer. And fall is the biggest time for weddings in Maine now. September's the biggest month, if you can believe that. It's bigger than May or June. Um, it's, you know, certainly July and August can be hot here in Maine, but September and October are the largest time for weddings in Maine now. Fall's a wonderful time. It's cooler, but we still have great weather. It's nice and warm, as long as you don't get a hurricane. That's the key. Now, when my brother got married uh, five years ago, uh, his anniversary, I believe, was yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, five years ago, they got married, and it was a terrible hurricane came through. Had a wonderful time with the ceremony. Everything went great. Got into the tent. It just opened up and just poured. I remember it because we were dancing and there was just water all over the place. We were splashing in the puddles and some of the guys were taking off their shoes and having a great time. It was a wonderful time. No matter what happens with the weather, it seems like weddings, you always have a great time. Because you know what? A little rain, a little wind's not going to stop anything. But this time of year is great to work with some of your local florists. There are many, many, many wonderful flowers that are coming out of the farms and the farmer's markets right now, and they're local flowers. And many of the flowers that are being used in weddings right now are coming from a lot of local suppliers. Now, these suppliers have a more limited uh, time frame to pick and get rid of these flowers. So if you have an opportunity to use some of that materials, it's great. We just we just are doing some big containers right now for a lovely wedding next week, I believe it is, uh, uh, for a customer. And she came in this week and picked out a whole bunch of stuff, and we're going to put those nice combos together and deliver them to the site and all of that. We particularly don't do weddings. And, you know, my philosophy is that I don't want to disappoint anyone. And working with live plants, I can't tell you that that plant's going to look great for your special day. That's where florists kind of can buy in things that are appropriate. You know, cut flowers fit the bill in a lot of ways. But if you're interested in decorating a wedding, you know, this fall, my suggestion is come in a week before the wedding. We've got plenty of color. That's not a problem. You just can't be too picky about what it is. We've got beautiful hanging baskets right now. We had another customer come into our Scarborough store. They bought 15 hanging baskets the other day for a wedding, you know, and just we're going to hang them around the tent. We have all kinds of mums that are starting to come into color. There's just a whole lot of things. But what I would recommend with weddings is really the week of the wedding, come in and pick out what you want. Coming before that really doesn't make a lot of sense. With live plants, they just can pass bloom so quickly. I mean, you look at that heavy rain we had this this past week. Many of the things got beat up. Now, we have a lot of things inside, so that's not a problem. But, you know, a lot of times, Mother Nature doesn't play nice. And so the week of your wedding, you know, come in like Monday, Tuesday, if you're getting married on a Saturday, 
line everything up, and then we'll deliver it Friday or Saturday morning for you, and everything will go just smooth. So congratulations to all those wonderful brides that are probably getting married today. I've seen a bunch of places being uh, decorated this week and, and uh, you know, talking with some of the florists, and they've been extremely busy. Let's switch topics. We're going to talk bulbs now. It's a true rite of passage for fall, but a wonderful spring surprise when everything goes right. Now, bulbs can be a little bit challenging depending on the soil that you have. So the first thing we want to talk about is with bulbs is planting depth because this is always kind of a confusing part to customers, you know, because there's so many different sized bulbs. So a general rule of thumb is two to three times the size of the bulb is the depth. So if you have a tulip that's two inches, you're going to be sometime, someplace between four and six inches in the ground. If you've got little crocus and they're a quarter of an inch, so you might only be an inch and a half. Now the thing we've got to worry about at this point is those darn little chipmunks. They're everywhere. I don't know if you're having problems in your yard with them, but around the garden center, we're having a heck of a problem with them. And they love to dig up those bulbs, along with squirrels and mice and rodents and moles and voles and all of those lovely things that we have out in our yard. So here's a couple tips. We want to use that Soil Perfector product that I keep talking about. You know, I've keep, I keep bringing it up for poor soils and all that, but remember, it also protects your bulbs in around. So here's a general rule of thumb when you're planting bulbs. If you're buying packaged bulbs, one package is one clump. Okay, so if there's six or eight bulbs in the packet, that's one clump. You should plant them all together, and I'm not talking soldiers in a row. Please don't plant your bulbs like soldiers in a row. It drives me crazy. There's nothing worse than looking at a house and you see one single row going down the walkway of tulips. It drives me crazy. It just is not right. Now, if that's your taste, that's your prerogative, but it drives me nuts. And I'm opinionated about this because it just drives me crazy. So what I like to tell people is take that package of bulb and lightly toss it on the ground. Wherever the bulbs land is where you're going to plant them. Some of them will be closer together. Some will be a little further apart. It'll be what I call a more naturalized look. And then the bulbs will continue to grow in together over time. If you have a more formal garden in a specific area, then my suggestion is go ahead and really, really, really define the area. And then, you know, some straight rows and, you know, really nice like tulips, you know, in a big, big clump, you know. You see the, uh, you know, pink tulips everywhere for the cancer awareness. You know, big masses like that, you can line them right up and make it one big, giant, beautiful area. I'm fine with that. It's those small little clumps that that drive me crazy. So you take a, a, a package of maybe crocus that's 20 bulbs and you do the same thing. Now, after you plant them, you know, you amend your soil. I like to plant clumps in a hole myself. I'd rather dig a hole and place all the bulbs at approximately the same depth instead of doing individual holes. 
but it's up to you. You can kind of, if you have a bunch of perennials and other things you're working in around, maybe individual holes is better. I like to use a lot more long-lived bulbs like hyacinths and crocus and daffodils. I'm not a big tulip person. But if you have areas that you always plant annuals in every single year, my suggestion is maybe put tulips there. And the reason being is I use tulips as an annual. I don't expect them to come back. They never come back well the second year anyways, in my opinion. So I plant them in those areas. I know I'm going to want plant plant my annuals in May. And by the time the tulips just are passing and not looking good, I can lift them, discard them into the compost pile, and plant my annuals. And I've got a natural rotation of, of my annuals. And I use tulips as annuals. I don't find they overwinter well here in Maine. I find the bulb quality is not as good as it used to be 15 years ago, so they don't have as much stay power. They've been grown very quickly in Holland, and it's about getting the bulb out as quick as possible and not the quality of bulb that we've seen 15, 20 years ago. Tulips used to last year in and year out, and they don't now. And that has to do with genetics. It has to do with a lot of different things. But I find they really don't come back. And I'm sure if you're seeing that same type of situation, you know, it's not your fault. And don't get discouraged because tulips are a wonderful addition to the, to the garden. Make sure and use a root stimulator like Biotone, you know, or, or um, you know, Bulb Tone. But be cautious about bone meal products because it does attract, you know, all those rodents. And then mulching and marking the areas that you planted them in. Okay, the mulch is good because it actually settles the area and it makes all those rodents and squirrels and whatnot think that you haven't buried anything there. Now, when you dig up soil and you disturb all of that soil, that's a sign that, you know, the squirrels and the chipmunks, oh, somebody buried food over there. And so you'll find that they will be attracted to that. So putting a light layer of mulch over and kind of compacting the area really will help also. So all kinds of different tips for bulbs. Now, it's not time to plant them yet, but it's time to think about buying them and storing them. Because as we get later in the fall, there's less and less of a selection. So great selection going on the shelves here in the next day or two at our stores, and I'm sure many other places are starting to show up with bulbs. So, you know, now's the time to think about buying them, but we plant them later on in October. If you have a question, give us a call, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk, WLOB. not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. 
Look for Espoma Organic Lawn Food Products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com slash videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook. No guests today. We're on our own. Give us a call, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. Give us a call with any questions. Um, I know you're out there listening because you contact me via email. You call me at the store. So don't hesitate to give us a call. A lot of people, you know, I talk to in the yard, they're, they're embarrassed to call. And you shouldn't be. The questions you're asking in the garden center are the exact same questions that many customers out there have. We hear the same questions time and time again. If you're having a problem with a certain thing, you definitely, probably your neighbors or other friends or other gardeners in your area are having the same problem. It's fall. It's time to start thinking about cleaning up. Okay, and I talked a little bit about this last week. You know, yeah, we're talking about planting moms and planting bulbs, but if we get in there and clean up a bunch of this material that's kind of going by, we're taking away the insects, we're taking away the disease, we're setting ourselves up for more success next year. The gardens are, in many ways, over. They're done. You know, a lot of those perennials, they've done their thing. They've gone to seed. They've they've basically lived their life cycle. There are many things now at this point I would go ahead and cut back. Start cleaning up. Start thinking about dividing. Maybe take a, and divide something and give one of your friends or neighbors a piece of, of as a gift. You know, if you really want to give them a gift, go over and plant it for them. <laughs> you know, don't just give it to them and make them work. Go over and help them with their garden. You know, maybe you have an elderly couple in your uh, neighborhood that could use an, an extra hand if you have some extra time. That might be a nice way to to kind of help out. Or contact a local garden club. You know, they have a lot of work on their plate also in the next few weeks. But our gardens, you know, are going to increasingly become more work here over the next few weeks. If we can get a lot of this pruning back and cleaning done now when the leaves come down all we have to deal with is the leaves 
you can, it's a great way to start your compost pile now, get things kind of going and activated. And here in the next few weeks is the perfect time to add in some of those things to make our garden look a little bit better. Now, my garden's kind of passe right now, so I need to add some other stuff like I was talking about in the beginning of the show. My vegetable garden, it's time to start thinking about discarding some stuff. I'm going to pull the cucumbers. And I'm not this year going to replant another crop of material. I'm going to kind of hold off and probably just cover crop and get ready for next year. Because as I've been saying all season, I was behind the eight ball last year. And this year, this coming year, I'm going to be ahead of the curve, you know. And when I say cover crop, you know, putting down some oats, you know, or um, there's many different things you can use for cover crops. I like to use oats. And the reason being, and you can get this at any feed store. We don't sell it at Estabrooks because we just don't sell enough. But any feed store, just go in and ask for oats. And it's just what you feed horses or other animals. The nice thing I like about oats is that they grow quickly. They're an annual, so they die over the winter, and they add a lot of nitrogen, and they add a lot of organic matter to your soil, but they also smother the weeds. So what I like to do to cover crop my area is I will actually rototill or work the ground, and then I will seed it in and let it come up and grow. And then I will actually let it sit there all winter and die. Okay, and in the spring when I go and I'll till it all in. But what it does is it smothers a lot of the weeds also. So you till and then the oats come up quicker than the weeds and it's such a dense foliage that it won't allow the weeds to grow. So you kind of kill a lot of the weeds that might be a problem for the next year. If you need to, you could always mow the oats and add a little bit more organic matter if they're getting out of control. But it's a very simple way you don't have anything that lives over the winter that you have to kill the following year, and it adds a lot of nitrogen and organic matter into your soil. So all benefits, you know, to what's going on and building your soil. If you have raised beds, you know, certainly it's a good thing because it, you probably are working that soil by hand, you know, and adding more organic matter and whatnot into that's a really great way to go. First hour. We're pretty much wrapping up the first hour. If you have questions for the second hour, give us a call, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. You can submit questions at our website at estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. Okay? So we will follow up on those questions. And like I had talked about earlier, we're going to be going to back to a taped session here starting in probably October. And kind of bringing in a bunch of guests throughout the winter. We might even bring some stuff in about cooking and other things, not just necessarily gardening, you know, kind of liven it up with some different topics and kind of, you know, bring in some other things that kind of we can do during the winter months. But here we are, it's fall. So we can get out and work in the garden, but we also can get out and enjoy agriculture in general. You know, visit the corn maze, you know, go to the apple orchard, go pick your own pumpkin. You know, there's all kinds of things. Just take a nice walk at one of our state parks. I love going to Bradbury Mountain. You know, I don't really call it a mountain. It's more a molehill. But 
it's a great view of the foliage there. And in October, to me, it's just a phenomenal, you know, pack a lunch, go up there and just relax. It's a nice little walk. It's not too over overbearing. You can do the short walk, which is straight up, you know, and then take the long walk back. I like doing kind of that. Um, or you can kind of go the long way, both directions. There's so many nice trails there, but I find the foliage there is really nice. October is probably the best time, uh, but I like to get ready for the foliage. This is one of my favorite times of year. Um, I enjoy hunting. I am one that likes to be out in the woods in the in the fall, and I really, really just enjoy the quiet of the woods. And the foliage during that time of year is just absolutely wonderful to me. So seeing those colors starting to change, you know, if you have a tree that's really starting to change early right now, it's probably a pretty stressed tree. It may be sick. But I'm looking out the window and I can just see those different hues, you know, in, in the landscape. You can see the seed pods showing up. You can see the acorns showing up. Everything is going to seed and starting its fall descent into what we call winter. Winter will be here before we know it soon. So get out there, enjoy your garden. We'll be back shortly with our second hour give us a call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255 Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook on the second hour. First hour went by just quick as can be. Beautiful Saturday morning. We want you to call 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. I know you're out there. I know you're out there. Give us a call, 775-1310. want to talk a little bit about your lawn. I've had quite a few customers in the last week come in, and we've been talking about their lawn. And in that heat and dry spell we had in August, a lot of lawns went dormant, and some even died. So now is a perfect time to start thinking about revitalizing that lawn and making sure you are set up for success for spring. Along with fall planting, Establishing a lawn, this is a great time because we have nice warm days, we have cool nights, we have dew on the lawn, so there's extra moisture every morning. Things don't dry out as fast. We get some nice fall rains periodically. But if you have an area that has basically died out, get some extra water on it. Now, we had a bunch of water this past week, and... You know, overseeding your lawn, it's a perfect time to do it. So now we can start mowing our lawn a little bit shorter, and we can start adding in some new grass seed. So if you have areas that have completely gone dormant, my suggestion is go ahead and think about overseeding those areas. It's also a good time to think about putting your fall fertilizer or summer revitalization fertilizers down. You know, a lot of organic fertilizers, it's a great time to put those down right now for your summer or even your fall application. Even if you're going to go and overseed, it's a good thing to go ahead and think about doing. It's also a great time to get that milky spore down. 
you know, you can get some of those grubs at the end of the season here. But it's a great time to lime. And I want to talk a lot about lime is really important. And we've talked about this numerous times. If you have any moss in your lawn, if you have um, clover is another thing. The likelihood is your pH is off in your soil. By raising the pH and fertilizing, we'll kill the clover. Now, if your lawn's all clover, we may not want to do that. But if you want to add more grass seed into it, it's a great way to kind of kill that clover in your in your lawn. Now, also moss is a sign that you have a lot of low pH in your in your lawn. So liming in the fall is a great way to kind of get started in changing your pH, regardless if you're adding seed, regardless if you're seeding your lawn. If your pH is low, you can raise it and then we'll lime again and seed in the spring. So fall is really a wonderful time to establish a lawn. It's a great time to be able to get root system on there. You're not going to have to mow it a ton of times. You're not going to have to water it all season long. You've got basically four to six weeks that you're going to have to care for this, and then it's going to go dormant. And then next year we need to come in with fertilizer and lime and and kind of treat it so that it doesn't get damaged throughout the whole summer the following year. But now's a good time to fix up those areas that really don't look great. August was tough on the lawns. You know, I even had to get out there and water some of my lawn. I've got one area in my front yard that if I don't put some water on it periodically, it just completely goes brown and the crabgrass comes in and just looks awful. I'm not somebody that likes to do a lot to my lawn. I'm not terribly worried about having some weeds in it. I'm completely fine with that, but I really want to keep it from being damaged or go dormant. So a lot of people in the last week have been coming in and they've been having problems with a lot of areas that just browned out and they're not greening back up. So get some good grass seed. You also can introduce new grass seed to your lawn by overseeding it. And my suggestion is don't bag your lawn clippings if you overseed. Go ahead and just let that those grass clippings work in with the seed. It will help them germinate. It'll give them a little bit more moisture. It'll really help to fill in your lawn. A thick lawn will compete with weeds and keep them from taking over. Now, crabgrass has been a major problem the last month or so, you know, and we have some liquid herbicides. We can deal with that if you need to, and I would recommend you do that before you seed if you have a really bad crabgrass infestation. But it's a good way to kind of knock that out before you go ahead and seed. So lawn revitalization, this is the perfect time. We still have good heat during the day and nice cool temperatures at night. So good root system on your lawns. And if you're going to plant a tree this fall, you know, the question that always comes up is, do I stake the tree or don't I stake the tree? You know, will the tree put on enough root system between now and, you know, the fall winter months? Now, what I usually kind of lean towards is don't stake the tree unless it's a very windy site. So if it's in an open field or along the coast, water exposed, then I think it's a good idea. But if you're planting basically in September here, I think you're pretty safe. If it's a smaller tree, you're probably fine. I'm more cautious about putting a tree guard on to protect from mice if you've got any tall grass or a, a fairly you know large field area that maybe you might get some mice damage. 
that I would recommend, um, protecting that main stem. But as far as planting a tree, now through, you know, October is the best time to plant trees. They just really are going to root. doesn't matter if it's an evergreen or a nice maple tree or a flowering crab apple or a cherry. doesn't really matter what it is. It's just a good time to establish the plant. And what I really want to talk about with planting a tree is if you have areas that are farther away from your home that you have a tough time getting water to for the whole season, now's the time to think about doing those areas. Because you only have four to six weeks of water time frame, maybe eight weeks, and then you don't you don't really have to water until next July and August. Unless Mother Nature is really way off and we have to water earlier in the season. But that's the nice part. If you have areas that are farther away, if you have areas in a field or whatnot, you know, it might be a good time to think about doing that. You know, think about planting those plants that are a little bit farther away. You can bucket water to them if you need to, you know, but it's a great, great way to, you know, kind of fill in those areas and, and uh, you know, make sure that you don't have to do too much work. We have Alan on the phone. Alan, how are you this morning? Good morning, Tom. How are you? Good. Good. I love this fall weather. This is it right here. Absolutely. It's great <laughs> to get out in the garden, isn't it? Beautiful. Two questions for you. Mm-hmm. The first question is, um, I have a lot of different perennials and shrubs, and obviously they require different types of soil and conditions. The thing is, they're all planted near each other. So, for example, you'd have one with rich soil planted next to one with dry soil, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess the question is, and I don't know if you could really answer this on the phone, but, um, you know, which, which plants require no care or, or very little care? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, guess, I guess that's the question. Okay. So, you know, when we're talking perennials, things that are going to take less care are going to be, you know, your daylilies are going to be less care, your sedum, um, you know, black-eyed Susans are a good one that are less care, although they do take a fair amount of water. Uh, Then you kind of get into kind of what I like to call more prairie kind of plants, you know, the yarrows, the um, delaphiniums, the, you know, the things that don't want a lot of fertilizer, um, galardia is another one, Um, Anything that doesn't overwinter terribly well a lot of times, even black um, uh, echinacea, they don't like a lot of really rich soil. And, you know, so if you think about kind of a wildflower mix, kind Mm -hmm. of that usually kind of leads you kind of towards the items that would like less care and less fertilizer. Now, a lot of the newer varieties have been bred to bloom and bloom and bloom. Echinacea is a prime example. A lot Mm -hmm. of the new varieties, when you buy them, they have flowers all over them in the garden centers. Mm -hmm. And usually the first year, we would recommend you kind of take some of those flowers off and don't let them go to seed. Let them build root system as late in the fall as they possibly can. But we don't want to also over-fertilize them. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of how I use a general rule of thumb is... You know, if you see something really thriving along, you know, in commercial sites around parking lots and hot, dry areas, those are always good plants. You know, nepeta is another good one or catmint. Um, so how do you kind of 
care for those and then you have other things that are really really you know more fertilizer and water dependent that's that's a it's always a struggle for every gardener yeah i mean two best practices i I like to do um with with the ones that do require care is is a little compost little fertilizer lantona whatever um and and then i leave it alone Mm -hmm. but there may be some plants that i don't need to touch like we were talking earlier about um the um Marisi viburnum, right? Um, just to leave it alone. So, um, but I, I guess you're right. You know, the ones that like may, would butterfly bush be one that doesn't but, need that much fertilizer. Butterfly bush, you know, I would recommend early in the season. It has good fertilizer just to get it activated and going. But then okay. after that, I I really want to kind of pull back, and I don't want to push a lot of extra growth. And and because it is one that doesn't slow down in the fall. It keeps blooming right until the final gun, you know, shoots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my suggestion is if we push too much on that plant, you get dieback. Um, so, yeah, I think I think butterfly bush, you have to kind of say to yourself, am I going to treat this butterfly bush as an annual? And I'm okay with it kind of going and not making it. And some customers do that. You know, they fertilize them like an annual. They get multiple sets of flowers on them. They really kind of get a lot of bang for their buck. Hmm. You know, and they're fine with replacing the $30, $40 plant if it passes on Mm -hmm. because they got so much out of it for the whole year. If you're not that person and you really want that to overwinter and be kind of a standard or a staple in your garden, then, yeah, I think we pull back and we don't treat it as aggressively. Maybe we don't deadhead it at a certain point. You know, like from here on out, I maybe just let it go to seed. Okay. And not clean it up and not open it up to wounds and just kind of let it kind of, you know, yellow and go dormant. Um, you know, keeping good water on it but not doing a lot extra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And watering most of these up till probably... I don't know, another month maybe? Yeah, if it's I would say if it's if it's something new, you know, we want to go probably into into early November. You know, but oh, wow. once okay. once we kind of get into October and November, you know, it's once a week, once every 10 days. So as the temperatures go down, we water much less. It's just we want to keep a little bit of moisture and you know, if we get half an inch or an inch of rain, we probably just skip the water that week. Right. Um, you right. know, but you know, during September, I still feel like September can be a summer month when it comes to temperatures during the day. Um, mm-hmm. I was amazed yesterday at the garden center how much material was dry in the middle of the day. All of a sudden, we had to pick up the hose to start watering because things just kind of started to wilt and, and really weren't thriving like we would like. And it's just sneaky because there's no humidity and it's 70, 72 degrees and all of a sudden it's warm out. And the plants, you know, we had all that rain, but the plants now are starting to show signs that they're drying up. And I think you're right about, you mentioned in the earlier show about putting something like, um, you know, New Guinea Impatience or something. If you see them wilting a little bit, that's a good sign, and, and that's a great trick. Yeah, I think annuals, you know, just in general, you know, especially those things that maybe are made more for shade and you put them in a more sunny location, mm-hmm. it just reminds you. And, and they're kind of indicator plants. They may not look as good as you like because they're not in the perfect conditions, but it's a really great way to kind of just indicate that, oh, that stuff over there is starting to get dry. I need to go give it a, a quick drink. It doesn't necessarily have to be a real deep watering, but I need to consistently give it a, a quick drink, and, and that way it never really truly gets stressed or dried out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. 
And um, the second question, real quick, is uh, we had talked about pumpkins yes. uh, in the, the squash vine borer last time. And, um, I, you know, I, I basically, you know, traced when this, this when I first saw it and when it was damaged. And it was pretty much for the month of July. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned the Harvest Guard, putting that on it earlier on. Yes. Now, that's one option. Now, would another option be um, actually planting the pumpkin in August? Or is that too late? It's too late. You're okay. you're not going to have enough crop time. Okay. And I'm going to do some more research on this because actually my aunt Tammy is having a major problem on some of her her vine crops in her garden, and I suspect I have a problem on my cucumbers. Mm. So I'm I'm going to do a little bit more research, and I'm going to get back to you on that because okay. I, I I'm feeling like this might be a bigger problem than uh you know and more of a consistent problem where we're seeing it in multiple gardens all over the place and customers are starting to come in and i know we've made some recommendations but i want to i want to pull in some folks from cooperative extension and get their get their take on on what we need to do and how we need to protect and when we need to start um, because i think we may need to be aggressive more early in the season and then if we take care of the problem and protect during a certain window it's probably we're probably fine the rest of the season Sure. But I don't sure. know the life cycle on this insect yet, so I'm going to do a little more research, and, and um, I'll definitely in future oh. shows get back to you with some good information. That'd be great. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Tom. All right, Alan. Okay. Thanks for yeah, the call. Good, good weekend. All right. And, uh, you know, Alan has called numerous times. He's always great to hear from him. Uh, he he. That's what it's about, folks, is bringing those problems I've had a problem in my garden. My Aunt Tammy has. So it affects so many people. Uh, And a great question about, you know, how to overwinter some of those plants that maybe like a little less care. If you have a question, give us a call, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Was your garden all it could be this season? The gardening season may be winding down, but that doesn't mean you can't start looking forward to next year with a visit to Estabrooks. With cooler temperatures in all trees, shrubs, and perennials now on sale for 20 to 50% off, it's the perfect time to invigorate your home. Best of all, you'll be enjoying your garden next spring while everyone else is planting theirs. To learn more, visit Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, Kennebunk, or on the web at estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Can you feel the change coming? Leaves will turn, sweaters will be rediscovered, and autumn will be upon us. Get a jump start on the season with a kaleidoscope of fall color from Estabrooks. Homegrown garden mums are now available at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. A true harbinger of fall, these fantastic plants will bring the colors of autumn to your home all season long. Winter will be here soon, so make this a fall to hold on to. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. 
Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com slash videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earthlife compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook. I'd like to thank Alan for giving us a call and asking those great questions. If you have a question, give us a call, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. I promise I won't bite. Uh, wonderful day out there. Hopefully, the I, I hear the clouds might come in a little bit later. Uh, looks like maybe there's a weather front coming out of Canada. But uh, overall, I think it's going to be just a beautiful weekend to get out there and garden or enjoy Maine in general. Uh, just a wonderful time to get out and enjoy the the nature, take a walk, um, and just enjoy just the change of the season. You know, that crisp feel in the air just makes you want to get outside. A little bit chilly this morning, though. You know, I had to throw on a sweatshirt. You know, I put on jeans, you know, left the house. It was, it was cold this morning. Um, nice dew on the lawn. And we talked about, you know, revitalizing the lawn already. But I've got a question from Bob from Gray. And his question is, I'm looking to extend my gardening season. Do you have any tips on extending my veggie garden, you know, using cold frames? So great question because now's the perfect time to start thinking about this. I like to use cold frames if possible, but I like to use cold frames that are movable. Okay. And... It's or have a, a good top that you can open up and keep open all day. Cold frames are wonderful, but they, all they should really do is protect from the cold. You don't want them to act like a greenhouse with no ventilation and warm up aggressively. And as soon as that sunlight hits them, it starts to warm up very quickly. You know, so by seven o'clock in the morning, you can raise twenty or thirty degrees very quickly. So when it comes to you know, covering over your garden, there's a few things I would recommend. Okay, from here on out, we've got the dreaded frost that we always kind of worry about. So the first thing I would do is think about picking up a product that we sell called Harvest Guard. And we've talked about it a, a bit time and time again. It's like kind of a cheesecloth-like substance. It gives you about a 10-degree protection from frost. So that's the first thing I would do. It gives you a nice protection if it looks like it's going to get cold and you don't have time to cover stuff up. It'll probably cover you to probably, I would say, 25 is pretty, pretty low. That's I would call that a hard freeze. Maybe 28 you know, give you three or four degrees. It'll keep the frost. If it's a light frost, it'll just keep it off the plants. We get to 28 to 25. I call that a freeze. That's not a frost. And it'll be for quite an extended period of time overnight. 
And even, no matter what you do, that's going to be tough. A cold frame holds the temperature of the actual land, you know, the ground. So the temperature of the ground is warm. It's going to keep that heat in there. You'll probably get 10, 15 degrees difference in a cold frame. So that's kind of the major difference I see. So the Harvest Guard really is great protection from insects, and it's great protection from those light frosts, you know, a couple degrees right around freezing, you know, 32 to, four, you know, 28, I think you, you, most things will get really good coverage. Now, when we start talking about freezing temperatures and frost, the major thing you have to do is make sure your plants are hydrated doesn't matter if it's a tree, it doesn't matter if it's a shrub, it doesn't matter if it's something in your vegetable garden. Water is the lifeblood of the plants, okay? And basically, if, a, if your plant is wilted and we get cold temperatures, it will frost and burn much easier. So I'm still talking about your garden mums. I'm talking about your cabbage and kale, your asters, all of those things that we're buying now for fall decorating. Make sure they're well hydrated going into the night time. So if you come home and they look a little bit wilted and you're like, oh, I'll, I'll water them in the morning, water them in the evening. Run them on the, on the wet side, to be perfectly honest, because what will happen is that leaf is hydrated and you'll protect yourself from frost and cold temperatures much, much better. Okay, so, you know, my suggestion is, you know, Bob, if you want to do a cold frame, build one that can have an open top that you can kind of open that top door and, you know, really vent it very easily. And always first thing when you get up, go up, go out and open it and close it about dusk or just before dusk. That way you don't build temperatures up in that. Now, if you're going to go away, you're going to need somebody to do that for you. Unless we're at that point, you know, where it's consistently cold all the time. Plants I would recommend, you know, that work well in that conditions. You know, you can cover over some of their plants that are tender, you know, that you already have in your garden. But you may think about seeding, spinach, lettuce, radishes, um, you know, any of your, any of your, your uh you know, um, masculine mix type material. Kales would be a good a good thing. And your cold leafy crops, basically. I like radishes. Radishes are good, you know, because they give you a nice different taste in your salad, you know, at that off season. You can't beat a fresh radish. Can't beat it. You can't buy one in the store that tastes as good as something right out of your garden. Now, you don't need a lot of them. You know, because one goes a long way, in my opinion. I'm not a huge radish fan, but one in a salad gives you just enough distinct taste to really kind of offset a, a good salad. Some people like them with just salt. My grandmother absolutely just loves them. She can just eat them, you know, no problems. But spinach is a great one. You know, good antioxidants, you know, really a lot of vitamins in there. Great for winter time. Takes a lot of cold weather rebounds and keeps growing throughout so all of those things would be great for you know a cold frame situation now it's going to be really tough for you to to even think about doing tomatoes and all that without some supplemental heat so if you're going to build a small greenhouse and have your garden in there for off season you may be able to keep cucumbers and you know 
green beans and all of those things going, but you will need supplemental heat to keep above freezing in there. You're just not going to do very well, you know, when they get that cold. So, Bob, I hope that helps. Uh, cold frames are something that more and more customers are kind of, you know, intrigued about. And I think as we all start to grow more of our own vegetables and more of our own food in our, our gardens, this is kind of a, a big trend, you know, of not only just having a standard vegetable garden, but mixing some of our vegetables in with our ornamentals in our containers and also in our homes. You know, a lot of hydroponic things going on right now uh, inside, too. You might want to look into something like that. Um, I'm kind of skeptical on that a little bit, you know. Uh, just because the energy costs related with hydroponics, you know, and the lights that you need and all of that, to me, it's a little bit, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't fit for my situation. But certainly, you know, many people do very well. If you're just growing greens, maybe that's a perfect situation for hydroponics because it's a quick turnover. You can constantly get fresh material. Growing a tomato inside hydroponically, I think that's probably a little bit much. I'd, I'd rather go and buy some nice uh, tomatoes from backyard farms if they ever get them back in the store. Um, you know, I know they've had some troubles up there in Madison, but they're working it out. And, uh, you know, love love those nice vine tomatoes. They really are amazing. To me, I wouldn't buy another tomato. When I go to the grocery store, that's the one I want. You know, unless I'm making something else with it, cooking it or whatnot, I might go with a different type, like a plum tomato or something. But for just standard eating, you know, in the winter months, those taste like a vine-ripened tomato. They are a vine-ripened tomato, and there's nothing better than a fresh tomato, in my opinion. So, Bob, I hope that helps out. That's a a great question. It's one of those things that, uh, like I said, a lot of people, I see in a lot of people's yards driving around now, there are many of these little coal frames starting to pop up and, and people, uh, you know, having their extending their garden. And you also can extend in the spring season, you know, get some things planted early. So, you know, making an investment or building something is a good thing. Just make it so that it will take snow load or that you have a way to take the plastic off or store it because you don't want all that heavy snow building up on it. So, Bob, great question. Um, you know, our vegetable gardens are all kind of waning a little bit. We're looking on how we can extend that season. There's nothing like fresh vegetables out of your own garden. We've been enjoying a lot of our garden this summer. And, you know, obviously things are coming on late. And soon my wife came in the other day and goes, oh, the beans are growing. I can see them now, you know. So we're getting close to having some fresh string beans. And there's, you know, I personally love vegetables that haven't been refrigerated. You know, to me, that that really, you go out, you pick what you need, you bring it in, you cook it. And so there's nothing like fresh string beans when they haven't sat on a shelf, you know, or they haven't been picked for two days. You know, when you can go right out to the garden, pick them, bring them in, uh, I I just love it. So vegetable gardens are starting to wane. And, you know, we've got a, another question from Ethan from Bath. And my veggie garden has been great. I'm thinking of cleaning it up and cover cropping the garden. What are the benefits of doing this? Oh, we've kind of covered this a little bit. The garden is three years old, and my yield is very low right now in the garden. So it sounds like pretty much your garden has kind of done its thing. So, Ethan, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to be back with more from the joy of gardening on News Talk WLOB.
not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. Beautiful Saturday morning, a little bit of cloudiness out there. Leaves are starting to kind of do their thing, but the gardens are kind of waning. And it doesn't matter if it's your vegetable garden or your perennial garden or your annuals, everything's kind of on a downward spiral. Unless you're a great gardener, better than me, you know, because things are starting to not look as good as I would like them. I've got some perennial hibiscus in my garden right now that still are just amazing. Huge red flowers all over them, looking great. They really, really survive the heat quite well. Uh, they're about three feet tall uh, and just full of big dinner plate, you know, hibiscus flowers. That perennial hibiscus, you know, great one to pick up in the fall, uh, good addition to the garden. couple things I want to recommend, though, on perennial hibiscus, okay? They really need to be in a wet spot. A moist spot. They don't like to, a dry, dry spot. So if you have sandy soil, you may have tough time overwintering them. But perennial hibiscus are looking amazing in my garden right now. They're about three feet tall, big dinner plate, you know, flowers all over them, and just full of color. Nice dark burgundy foliage with it too. So a good addition to this time of year. Um, you know, that time of year when everything's kind of seeming to go by and not looking as good as we would like. But, but just before the break, we had a question from Ethan, and it talks about cover crop. And, you know, should he think about doing it? His garden pretty much has reached its max potential, and it sounds to me like he's really ready to put his vegetable garden to bed. 
Um, this is the time of year when I would think you need to kind of think about making a call, unless you're late planting your garden like me, <laughs> you know, and then we're just hitting our prime. But if you were able to get your garden in early, you know, say mid-May to late May, and, you know, many of your vegetables may be kind of, you've harvested the majority of what you can. And if you didn't plant a second crop in, say, July, you're probably starting to kind of wane and things aren't looking as good. My suggestion is probably think about cleaning up your garden. If you've got a bunch of tomatoes, you can ripen them with, you know, off the vine. So you might strip your tomato plants and discard them. You know, you may have some crops that aren't quite finished up, but they really have kind of stopped their yield like cucumbers or summer squash or zucchini might be a prime example. You know, the plants may kind of be beaten up, tattered from all the the picking you've done. You know, maybe you're starting to see some powdery mildew and some disease issues showing up. Um, you know, maybe your herbs, it's time to pop them out of the ground, plant them in container and use them on the deck or bring them in the house. So now's the time that you can start thinking about shutting it down, tilling your garden, cleaning it up, knocking back the weeds for next year. And like we had talked earlier in the show, that cover crop of oats um, might be a great way to add a bunch of organic matter, a bunch of nitrogen and nutrients back to the soil, and also smother a lot of those weeds that maybe you have problems with. Fall is the best time for weeds to move around. Everything has gone to seed right now. You know, so if you look out in a field that hasn't been mowed, there's seed pods on everything. And it's just the wind's moving them around. So if we can get this cover crop on, it's a great way to knock down weeds. And then next year, like I said, with the oats, it's great because they die over the winter. And I like it also because it's a nice clean look out in the garden. You know, you've got this nice lush light green foliage, and it's just a clean look. You know everything's put to, get, put to bed. It, it just looks good. You know, you can feel kind of accomplished. Okay, I, I got a good yield out of my garden this year. I really enjoyed, you know, everything I did, um, you know, and start kind of planning for next year. You know, we're going to have Johnny Select Seeds back when they have their unveiling of their catalog. They didn't really want to let me in on all the all the fun little stuff. You know, they're keeping pretty tight-lipped. That tells me they got some pretty cool stuff. They got some cool stuff coming for next year because, you know, if they don't want to tell you, you know, that's usually they're holding it back for a big release, and, and that's that's a great thing. So we'll have them back to talk about that and some of the new things you might be able to try. And I would recommend people start trying more things from seed. I know I, I'm, I'm, I sell plants, you know, but I also sell seed, and seed is really the place a lot of vegetables do the best growing from. You know, we have customers that want to come in and buy corn. They want to come buy beans. They want to buy peas. It's really the best way to do it is to buy seed and seed it yourself. It's not hard, folks. More often than not, you kill them with kindness, okay? So, Ethan, I think the thing to do is go ahead and clean up that garden now. Get that cover crop down. Get things kind of worked in. You may add a layer of compost this fall or early next spring. But it's been three years. It sounds like you haven't done a lot. Um, you may take a soil sample and send it off to the state of Maine. You know, we have those kits in all three of our stores. 
that's a great way to kind of know what's going on in the soil. And then next spring, we're off to the races, you know, till, work it in, and then we'll be able to go, go, go. So, Ethan, I hope that helps. Uh, A lot of questions with vegetables, you know, this time of year. Everybody's kind of at that end of the season. Let's talk a little bit more about planting the trees because actually our sales of, of trees go up in the fall. And the reason that is is because once they all start to color, everybody sees the glory of a tree. They see the wonderful colors and contrasts and fruit and everything that kind of show up late season. I There's a few trees that we have that I really, I really love. One are crab apples, and they've kind of fallen out of favor in the, in, in the last number of years. But the new varieties that are on the market now are really amazing. And, you know, some of these aren't really new, but they, they really hold up very well in our main weather. One is called Red Jewel, and the fruit, the fruit is persistent, what we call persistent. Now, crab apples got a very bad rap for a long, long time because a lot of the old varieties drop fruit everywhere. And they're messy. And who wants to go out and mow the lawn and you're spitting fruit all over your yard in different pieces through that rotting lawnmower you have? And it's just a pain to go out and pick up the hundreds of fruit and have to haul them out someplace else and dump them in a pile. And, you know, all of that work is not really that much fun. Red Jewel Crab Apples, Donald Wyman, and many others have what we call persistent fruit. Now, persistent fruit basically stays on the tree the whole time, year-round. So it's a great bird attraction because a lot of these persistent fruit have to ferment before they're available to birds. So they're very hard, they stay on the tree, and they're not really available for the birds to eat them until late winter or early spring. So you get this bright red or yellow or orange fruit on these trees and they stay all winter, all the way until probably January or February. So you get a great accent out there in the yard, something that really shows up in the late fall. You get the yellow leaves of the crab apple with the red fruit, the nice bark, a great shape. And then after the leaves fall off, you have all these clusters of red berries. And then usually in January or February, all of a sudden you start to see this flock of birds come in and they just have a field day and they'll be around for a day or two and they'll clean that fruit up completely. No mess, no fuss, easy. You're feeding the birds and you get all the benefits of the fall winter interest. So take a look at some of the different crab apples and look at some of the ones that are low maintenance easy to deal with. Um, You know, it's really a a great, great way to kind of add a lot of interest. The other thing I might look at is some of the dwarf conifers. So now we're starting to look towards late, you know, season. So some of the dwarf conifers to me are just really, really a great way to add interest to the off season. Now they don't give you a lot of fall color, But their glory shows up in the winter months. And let's face it, here in Maine, half our season are winter months. You know, basically, it's the longest time of the year. You know, basically November, December, January, February, and I even call March a winter month most years. Okay? So we've got four or five months that we're looking out the windows, and there's a whole bunch of snow, and not a lot of interest. Dwarf conifers can give you that. 
They can give you that interest. They give you the areas for birds to, um, you know, have protection in your yard. And when I say dwarf conifers, they still can get 20 to 25 feet tall. But they're not going to get 60 like a regular blue spruce or a Norway spruce or something like that. So conifers really kind of are a backdrop that disappear in the summer when you've got all of the beautiful things out in your garden that are in bloom. And then this time of year when we cut back the perennials and go into fall and winter, that's when they start to shine. You know, whether it be camisiparis or it be some of the dwarf pines or the dwarf spruces, uh, you know, mix them in with some of the, the uh, wonderful blues of the foliage and yellows of foliage. And then, of course, you know, mix them in with some of your interesting deciduous plants, you know, like a corkscrew willow um, or a uh, nishiki willow or even, you know, a Harry Lauder's walking stick. And for you, you, for the folks out there that don't know what a Harry Lauder's walking stick is, Google search it. It's a cool plant. But to me, the claim to fame on that plant is in the off season when there's no leaves on it. So... Going forward, we kind of have to start thinking about what's going to give us interest in the off-season. And that's a good thing to think about now when we're doing our fall planting. Not only fall color, but also winter interest. Because in the spring, we're focused on flowers. And the rest of the year in planting, we want to think about winter interest, off-season interest, and things that will add structurally to our landscape. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Was your garden all it could be this season? The gardening season may be winding down, but that doesn't mean you can't start looking forward to next year with a visit to Estabrooks. With cooler temperatures in all trees, shrubs, and perennials now on sale for 20 to 50% off, it's the perfect time to invigorate your home. Best of all, you'll be enjoying your garden next spring while everyone else is planting theirs. To learn more, visit Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, Kennebunk, or on the web at estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Can you feel the change coming? Leaves will turn, sweaters will be rediscovered, and autumn will be upon us. Get a jump start on the season with a kaleidoscope of fall color from Estabrooks. Homegrown garden mums are now available at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. A true harbinger of fall, these fantastic plants will bring the colors of autumn to your home all season long. Winter will be here soon, so make this a fall to hold on to. To learn more, visit estabrooksonline.com. Esther Brooks for the joy of gardening. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. If you have a question, give us a call, 775-1310 or 877-393-8255. Wrapping up the second hour, 
was talking a little bit earlier in the show, we will be probably going back to some tape shows for the off-season. We'll be bringing in a bunch of guests and talking with folks about all the things that are going on in the garden center industry. And then also, you know, bring in some other topics, you know, talk about food, talk about all kinds of things that I kind of like to think winter in Maine, you know. We have fun outside all winter and then in the, all summer, and then in the winter we enjoy our food and relax and watch TV and get out there. Actually, we get out there, snowshoes, ski, you know. Winter in Maine's a wonderful time, too. Um, you know, creates a little bit more of a hassle at times, but um, it's a great time of year here in Maine also. But speaking of winter and fall and all the things that are kind of we're headed for, I'm always a season ahead. So we're spacing poinsettias right now. We're selling our moms, obviously. We're in peak season for moms here in the next couple weeks. Our, our moms are still quite tight. We've been selling a lot of mums, you know, that are just cracking color, which is really when you want to buy them. But with these cooler temperatures, they come on a little bit quicker and quicker. So when you come into the garden center, you'll see maybe they're 25% open, which is perfect. And most of our uh, the mums in our field are quite tight. We don't have a lot of extra color coming on. So, you know, certainly, you know, there's a couple buds cracking, but we're right at the right right time frame. The poinsettias look amazing this year. They're really growing nicely. They've got a lot of breaks, some big bracts on them, and and really, really starting to look good. No color on them yet, thank God, because uh, it's way too early. But we've been kind of starting to put up our Christmas trees in the store and all of that because it just takes so long to set up for Christmas. All those little ornaments are a lot of work, you know, pricing them and putting them on Christmas trees. And But we always start with kind of the more fall-oriented, you know, the bird kind of trees and the, and the things that you kind of can get multiple seasons. So take a look at those in the Yarmouth store. We will be closing Scarborough and Kennebunk on Columbus Day weekend. That will be our last weekend that those two stores are open. So, you know, the season is really winding down for them. So Columbus Day weekend, that Monday will be the last day those two stores were open for the season. We've had a great season in those two stores. Things are kind of waning down. We just shipped a bunch of mums to them yesterday, and we'll be sending a bunch of perennials over the weekend just to stock them back up. Uh, they've had a very good week down there selling a lot of material, and so we're, we're continuing to send more stuff there. So don't feel like it's all just downhill from here. We've got a lot of stuff we still have to sell and a lot of fresh material coming on. Um, we've also been bringing in some fresh material in the Yarmouth store. So there's a lot of new shrubs and uh, perennials that have arrived. And things are looking really good. You know, these cooler temperatures, things don't pass as, as quickly. But I wanted to kind of talk a little bit more, thinking more towards winter. I know, I said it, winter. I talked about this a little bit last week about your house plants. Well, as soon as I talked about it last week, all people started to show up talking to us about what do I need to do and, you know, how do I get these things squared away. And it's amazing how many people are already having problems with insects on their house plants. Once they kind of went and looked at them, they went, oh, I do have a problem. Uh, I need to fix this, you know. And it's great that people are listening and they go and they check things out because we also check a lot of our plants and have noticed that a lot of things are showing up. I know on some of my house plants, I've seen some spider mites and mealybugs showing up. And, you know, a few aphids have kind of shown up on some of my annuals, but I'm getting ready to discard those, so I'm not too worried about it. 
But on the house plants, now's the time to be proactive because we still are warm enough where our plants are taking up a lot of moisture and they're really kind of transpiring and doing their thing and still actively growing. When we get into January and February and December and, you know, those real cold, dark months, if you ever notice your house plants kind of start to wane, they don't really thrive, they kind of lose some leaves, and they're just not happy. And a lot of times that can be insects, but it's also really wrapped around how much light we have. And so a couple things I wanted to discuss. Number one, let's start getting our houseplants acclimated back into the house. If you've taken out those ferns and hung them on the porch, it's time to start thinking about bringing them back in, even if it's just in the evenings and nights. Get them acclimated back into the house, you know, um, on cold rainy days, get them back in the house. Maybe it's time just to bring them in altogether. But I want you to do some protection, you know, and repotting at this point. So, you know, we want to put some systemic granules in the soil. You know, we might want to spray them down with an insecticide and maybe repotting them. You know, getting some fresh soil to the roots. That will set you up for when the plant is the most stressed in December, January, and February. They will have the best conditions to come out of it. A lot of times it doesn't work very well to try to transplant them and make them healthier in that time frame. And the reason being is it doesn't matter what we do if we don't have enough sunlight. It doesn't matter what we do to those plants. They're not going to thrive the way they will when they have the conditions to grow. And, you know, once we hit March, the weather conditions start to change. The sun gets higher in the sky. Everything's a little bit brighter. And, you know, you start going into the next growing season. So don't worry if your house plants kind of don't look as good as you want them in December, January, and February. Most of the time, it has everything to do with the weather conditions and has nothing to do with what you're doing. But if you have questions, don't hesitate, you know, to contact us. You can visit estabrooksonline.com backslash radio to submit your questions. And I want to wrap the show today, and I got a wonderful email email from the uh, folks at St. Mary's Garden Club. And they're having a flower show. I know, flower show. October 5th at uh, St. Mary's in uh, on Route 88 in Falmouth. And this is the only federated show for garden clubs in the state of Maine this year. So, you know, it basically is a standard show. It's the is the official title. And it basically, um, in a nutshell, a lot of flowers and different plants will be judged. And a lot of uh, nice little, little things will be shown off there. And it's going to be a... St- Stimulating and creative show featuring horticulturally grown by amateur gardeners and floral designers. So it'll have a whole host of different things, some very unusual stuff. Uh, St. Mary's Garden Club I've talked to a few times. They're a great group of folks, um, really work hard at at, uh, having these types of events. And that's on October 5th. And again, it is right there at the wonderful, you know, church. And let me see here. I lost it. I lost it. St. Mary's Garden Club, I would visit their website, probably the best way, or the Garden Club Federation of Maine website will have more information. I'll put it up on our Facebook page also uh, here today and make sure that we get that information out to you. We'll be talking to you more about it as we get closer to October 5th. I hope you have a great weekend. It's going to be beautiful. Get out there and enjoy your garden. 
Radio.com.